Starting the Gemara today on Dav Chav Beis the third wide line, let's say about ten lines from the top. Rabroike Chuzo Haveshchiach Beshuka de Beloft. Rabroike Chuzo, he was from the city of of uh, So he was now in the marketplace called Beloft. Haveshchiach Elio Gabe. So Elio was together with him. So Omale, he says to Elio Anavi, Ike Bahai Shuke Bar Almedasi. Is there someone in this marketplace that is going to merit to for Elam Abba, to, to, to go to into Elam Abba? That was his question. So the Mepharshim explained what was exactly was his question. Everybody is So Rabbi Kivegi here on the side is Mitzayin to the Sefer Teres Chaim. He says there that what it means is everybody is Zeichet Elam Abba, but there's a process. Usually you have to pass, the person passes away, and then afterwards his neshama comes back into the world, Teilam Abba. He wanted to know, is there anybody here in this marketplace that could be Zeichet Teilam Abba as is, without any preconditions, without any process? So Elio Anavi tells him, Amalei, Loi, no, I don't see anybody here that has such a schos. In the meantime, he sees this person, he's wearing black shoes, which, as Rashi here says, is this kind of shoes that in those times the Yidin would not wear these black shoes. Or some say that it was not only black shoes, but also black laces. And the Yidin would not wear black laces. Kopanim, it wasn't the, 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 the Jewish culture, whatever, the way they wore, they didn't wear these type of shoes. And he also did not have tzitzis in his garment. He wasn't wearing tzitzis. So Malay, Rabbi Elion Navi says regarding this individual, Hi, Baramadasihu. This person, oh, he is a person that's a Ben Elam Abba. So Rod Basrei, so Rabreike runs after him. Amalei says to him, My Uvdech, tell me, what are your deeds? What did you do that you're Zeichet Elam Abba? Amalei, so he says to him, Zilaitna, go now, I can't tell you now. Vesolamacha, come to me tomorrow. Lamacha, so tomorrow, Amalei, so Rabreike tells him, My Uvdech, so what do you do? Amalei, so he tells him, Zandukna, no, I am a prison guard. And when I have the people that I am guarding in prison, so I lock up the men separately, and the women separately, and I place my bed between the men and the women, in order that they shouldn't come to do any forbidden acts. So that's one good deed that they did. This is the, to keep the tzniyas over there by the prisoners. And when I see that there's a Jewish girl that's in prison there, the Yavi Nochrim Alayinayu, that the Goyim, and Ashi here says the, the prison uh, prison uh, owners, put her, put their eye on her. In other words, they want to take her and do something bad with her. Masrana Nafshoi, I'll sacrifice myself, Matslina law, and I'll save her. Yoimachad, one time it happened, there was a girl that was already engaged. And that was here in prison. The Yavuba Nochre and the the Goyim placed their eyes on her. They wanted to do something bad with her. Shakli Durdaya the Chamra Vishadoila Bishipula. What I did is I took from the from the bottom of the wine. You have the the the, the, the semens at the bottom of the wine that are reddish, and I and I put took that and I poured it or I put it at the bottom of her. Uh, of, her, of her, what she was wearing, out of her skirt and so on. And it looked like that there was blood. And for Amri, and then I said to the Goyim, 
this tenehi, that no, look at her, she's a nida, she's uh, there's blood, and therefore she's she's disgusting, and therefore they stayed away from her. So this is another good deed that he did. So now he asked him, Rabbeika asks him, Oh Malay, my time is less lachuti. Why aren't you wearing tzitzis? And Veramas Masani Yochmi, why are you wearing these black shoes with the black laces that is not the minig of the Eden? So he said to them, Because I come out and go in from amongst the Goyim. So in order that they shouldn't detect me to know that I'm a Yid. And therefore, when I hear that they make a decree, I can let the Chachamim know about this new decree, and they can daven to Hashem, beg for mercy, and they'll annul the decree. So I don't want to be detected as a Yid. Undercover. Uh, undercover. It's interesting, the Mepharshim say, you can learn from this Gemara, even though usually there's a halacha of leseichu b'chukas a guy. person is not allowed to dress and go on the ways of Gayim, but there, over here you see that there's this heter, in such a situation where a person is doing this for this purpose, so you're not doing it for the purpose to assimilate with the Gayim. Adarabi, you're doing it for the purpose to save Yidin, so this is allowed. Now, he asked him another question, Rabbeke. When I asked you yesterday, tell me what your deeds are. You told me, come back tomorrow. So he answered him, Then when you approached me at that time, that was, there was a new decree that was decreed then. And I said to myself, Let me first go and let the Rabbana know about this. So they can daven for this. The milsa for this thing. And meanwhile, okay, so this, this is the end of this story with this person that uh, Leon Novi told him that he's a Ben Olam Now, meanwhile, as he's talking to this person, so uh, so another two people came, Osi, they came, or others uh, take this out from the Gemara, it's an extra word. So, uh, says regarding these other two individuals that appeared here, they are also people that are going to be zeichet directly right now, they can be zeichet for So he went to them, and he asked them, What are your deeds? They said to him, We are people that are very happy people. Comedians. Comedians? That's how they translate it there? Okay, Rashi here says, Beduchi, that these are people that are happy. Simcha, there are people, okay, they, they make people happy. We make people that are sad, happy. Inami, and also, when we see two people that have a fight, an argument, one with another, so we go out of our way to help them by, by, by our simcha that we bring, and we bring them to make peace with one another. Regarding the second point, that they make a peace between one person and another. So Rashi brings what we say every morning, that if you make shalom between one person and another, so Adam Tremendous piece of Gemara here. You see the value that there is by make, bringing simcha to people. There are Mepharshim that say that in the En Yaakov, he brings it, this refers to actually learning Taita. When you learn Taita, that's the true source of simcha. You bring simcha into the world, and that's what they're referring to. But others say, in the simple Pshat of the Gemara, like you translated there, a comedian, but obviously in, the, in a holy way, that they bring simcha into the world for people and making other people be simcha is a tremendous thing. That there's Going back to the Mishnah, it said, Regarding these, even if it happens in one location, but because this is something that spreads, so therefore in all places, they would, they would scream and daven for this and fast for this. So the Gemara brings a Braise regarding the details that it also mentioned in the Mishnah. So Tan Rabbanu, we learned in the Braise, Al Elu Masriin, Bechol Mokim. 
regarding these, so they would they would scream out to the Eivishter in every location. When you have a hurricane wind that's knocking out the grain, that the kernels are, are being knocked out. And when you have jaundice, and when you have grasshoppers or locusts, or wild beasts that are attacking people. So these are the things that even if it happens in one place, you have to fast for it or dive into the Ebishter for this even in another place. Rabbi Kiva says, When you have the Shidofen, a wind that knocks out the, the kernels, even a tiny drop. Now Rashi here points out that in the Mishnah, when it came to Shidofen, which is a hurricane wind, the, the Mishnah did, did give a certain shear for that. The Mishnah said that if it's the amount of, that, that can enter into the opening of an oven, that's the area of how much the wind has affected but it's not a culture. That's what it seemed like in the Mishnah. So Rashi here says that either the Mishnah also was just saying an incident, the way it happened, and therefore the Mishnah agrees to what it says here, that even if, even a kol shuhu as well, or Rashi says there's a difference. If there's a kol shuhu, so then you daven. You have to scream out and daven today, Bishter. But if there's a larger amount, a specific shir that the Mishnah said, so then it's not enough just to daven, but you have to fast as well. Continuing in the Gemara, Arba v'chosel, if you have grasshoppers or locusts, even if you don't see an Eretz Yisrael, even more than just one wing, just one, even one of them, so Masri and Elaine, you have to daven for this. That's how dangerous it is, because you see one, it can be, be more, more that's coming. Then it said in the Mishnah, when you have wild animals that are coming and attacking people, so that's also something that you have to daven for, because and then even in a different location, they can go from one location to another. We learned more details about this. When you have a wild animal that's attacking, this is only if you can see that this is something unusual that's sent from heaven. Then, this is something you have to stop and daven for and scream to the Eibishter. But if it's not something which is unusual, it's not something which is sent from heaven that's coming to attack people, then you don't have to daven for this. Now the Bryce will give a bunch of different scenarios. How do you know if this is something unusual or not? What's considered to be something sent from heaven? What's something that's not sent from heaven? If you see these wild beasts coming into the city, that's something that's unusual. It's sent from heaven. But if they're in their place where they usually are, out in the field, so then that's not something that's unusual. That's not, that's not sent from heaven. If you see them daytime, that's unusual. They don't, the wild animals don't usually come out by day, so therefore that's sent from heaven. If you see them by night, then you know it's not sent. The animals usually come out at night. If these animals saw two people, and the animal ran after two people, so then you know that this is something unusual that it's sent from heaven. If if the animal, when it sees people, it goes and it runs away and it hides from these people, then you know that it's not sent from heaven. If the animal attacked two people, and it only ate one of them, then you know it's sent from heaven. Because if it only ate one of them, meaning it wasn't hungry, it didn't need... The, the two people, so why is it chasing two people? It only ate one of them. If when it attacked both of these people, it ate up both of them. So then it's not sent from heaven because it was so hungry and therefore ran after these two people, not because it's something unusual. Also, if it climbed up on a rooftop and then and it took a baby out of a bed, so then you know that this is something unusual sent from heaven.
Hilary is the Brysa. So these are all the different scenarios to figure out whether this is something that's unusual or not. I think Amara is going to go through this Brysa and clarify different points that it said here. Some of these things seem to contradict one another. The different scenarios that you're saying is, so one seems to contradict the other. Amrit, on one hand, you're saying, that if you see these animals in the city, so then that means it's sent from heaven, something unusual. That would seem that it makes no difference if it's daytime or nighttime. As long as they come out into the city, it's a problem. What does it say afterwards? That if it was daytime, then this is something sent from heaven. If it's nighttime, it's not sent. So that means that if it's nighttime, even in the city, it doesn't matter. So this is a contradiction. So the Gemara says, like, this is not a question. This is how you have to understand the Braisa. If you see these wild beasts, both in the city and by day, only if it's both together, in the city and by day, then Mishalachas. Then I know this is something unusual sent from heaven. But if you see it, even if it's in the city, but it's nighttime, then you know it's not sent from heaven. Or you see the animals out in the field, even during the day, then you know it's not sent from heaven. So it's only if you have both together, by day and in the city, then you know it's something unusual sent from heaven. The Gemara goes to the next part of the Braisa. It said, If the animal saw two people and it was chasing them, you know that this was sent from heaven. So it says, if it was chasing them. So if the animal appears and it's standing there and it's not running after anybody, it's not hiding either. It's not running away from people going to hide, but it just stands where it is. So from this it seems that that would mean that it's not sent from heaven. But what does it say afterwards in the Braise? Only if the animal goes to hide from the person. Then then I know that it's not sent from heaven. So this, this is also a contradiction. But if it stands in the same place, it's, it's not going to hide. I know that this is sent from heaven. So that's the question here. If the animal is not going to hide, but it's also not going to run after people, it's just remaining where it is. Is that sent from heaven or not? <coughs> so the Gemara answers, this is not a contradiction either. When the animal appears out in the field near the swamp, which is the area of the habitat of the animal, so there, if the animal stays outside and he's not running to hide, that's something that's usual because the animal is not afraid. That's his habitat. And if someone's going to come chase his animal, he runs straight into the swamp. But if the animal appears in a field, not in a place that's near the swamp, so over there, if the animal doesn't hide, that's something unusual, because that's not the place of the animal, so you'd be afraid, you should have gone to hide. The next thing it said in the Braiso was, If it went and attacked two people at once, but it only ate one of them, so this is unusual, and therefore it's sent from heaven. Shneem, if it ate both of them, then it's not sent from heaven. So the question is, before we said, that even if the animal is just chasing after a person, that itself is already a sign that it's something unusual. says, When it said over there before that 
uh, that if it ate some, if it ate only one person and it didn't eat two people, that's only the animal which is in its swamp, it's in its habitat. So over there, we say that uh, only if, because it ate one person and it didn't eat the other person, so therefore that's unusual. But the fact that it's chasing people in that area is not something unusual because that's the place of the animal, that's its habitat. So therefore the animal is not afraid to chase people in that area. But if the animal is chasing someone, not in its swamp, not in its place where it lives, so then that's something which is unusual. Gufa, now going back again to what it says in this b'raisa, also legag v'not latinic ma'arisa mishalachas. If this animal climbs up to a roof and then it takes a baby out of the crib and it, 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 it does this, so then we know that this is unusual, it's sent from heaven. After all the different scenarios, this last one is so obvious. Obviously, this is something that is terrible and sent from heaven. Amrav Papa, Sarav Papa says, Kekuchi, or there's a greatest here, Bikuchi, Ditsaidi. We're talking over here about a little hut of hunters. These hunters have these little huts that there are, and the animal climbs up on this little hut and grabs a baby. So this is something which is not so unusual for the animal to do. That's what we're speaking about. We're not talking about a regular house where the animal climbs up into a rooftop. So said in the Mishnah, Al HaKherev. When you have a sword, in other words, you have an army, that uh, is, the, the, the soldiers are armed with swords and so on, and they're traveling, they're coming to this area, so even if they came to one area, and they're not exactly in your area, this is still something that you have to daven for and fast for, because this is something that can come to your area as well. The sword that it speaks about the Mishnah, needless to say, if you have an army that's actually fighting, and it's not, they're not peaceful, so definitely you have to scream out to for this, even if they're not in your area. Even if you have an army that's passing by and they're coming just to pass through, they're peaceful. Nevertheless, you still have to dive into the Abishur that things should actually be peaceful. You don't have a situation that was seemingly more peaceful than the story that it says in Navi about Padre Nechai that wanted to pass through Eretz Yisrael. And yet what happened there? This King Yeshio was stumbled by this, as the Gemara is going to bring the Psukim, the story that happened over here. Shanema, what happened? So Pare Nechoi was on one side of Eretz Yisrael, and he wanted to pass through Eretz Yisrael, but he was, he was going to fight with Sancherev, which was on the other side. He just wanted to pass through. So he sends messengers, Lamar, he sends messengers to the King Yeshio to say, What do I have unto you, you King of Yehuda? I'm not have nothing. I'm not coming to fight with you. I'm going on my way, on my pathway to, to fight on the other side to fight with Sancherev. The Abishah said for me to go quickly to fight there. Let me alone from the God that's with me. And he will not harm you. So he was asking Yeshio to let him pass through Eretz Yisrael. Now the Gemara explains what happened when he said, when he says, leave me and the God that's with me. So what this Parai was saying to Yeshio is, I have my Avodah with me and let me pass through. So now what happened? Omar Yeshio said, since he's he's uh, he's uh, being certain with his avedizare, so he's relying on avedizare. I'll be able to overcome him. So he did not want to let him pass through. He, he, he decided to put up an opposition to him. What happened? So Yeshio, it says there that the ones that uh, throw arrows, so they 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 uh, aim their arrows at the king Yeshio and 
And it says in the Pasuk there, the king says to his servants, Haviruni, take me away from here, because I'm very sick. What does this mean, what this means is, that all these arrows actually hit Yeshio, and his body became like a sieve. They, they, so, so he became, uh, he was hit by these arrows. So in other words, he thought he's going to put up an opposition to the, the army of Pari Nechoi that wanted to just pass through because they were relying on Avedi Zara. But in the end, their arrows hit Yeshio. So why did this happen? So, the Gemara, so here, this is the story where we see that even if you have an army that wants to just go through peacefully, but nevertheless, it could turn out very bad. Amar Rav Shmuel Ben Achmeni, Amar Rav Yechelen, or others are good as Amar Rav Yenison. Why was Yeshio punished in this way? Because he should have first consulted Yirmiyo whether he should fight this party that came in that just wanted to pass through. He should have, he didn't consult him. He didn't consult him first. My Dorash. Now, what did Yeshio darshan when he thought that he can go and fight them without consulting Yirmiyo? So he's darshaned as follows. It says in the Pasuk, A sword will not pass through your land. My cherev, what kind of a sword is this talking about when it says in the brachas, in Parshish B'chukhoisai, that no sword will pass through your land? If this would be referring to a sword of an army that's coming through to fight, not peacefully. So that's not what this Pasuk is saying, because Vaksiv, it already says in another Pasuk, Vanasati Shalom Baaretz, and I'll give that it'll be peace in the land. So we already know that it's going to be peace in the land. Ella rather, when the Pasuk adds cherev, what does it mean? Afilo cherev shel shalom. Even a sword that's a peaceful sword, in other words, an army just passing through, they won't pass through. So therefore, Yeshio was relying on this Pasig that this army, which is here peacefully, will not be able to pass through and will be able to stop them. Now, why wasn't he successful? For who and he didn't know that his generation is not so beautiful. In other words, the people of his generation are not going to merit for the fulfillment of this Pasig. Okay, so that, that's, what, that's uh, what he should have consulted Yirmiyo about. And Mepharshim explained, it's the same point that it said before. He should have asked Yirmiyo, is my generation fitting, for, deserving for this pasik to be fulfilled or not? And he didn't consult with him. So when he was passing away from all these arrows that hit him, Chaza Yirmiyo, Yirmiyo was there and he saw that the He saw that Yeshio Amelech, his lips are moving, he's saying something. So Oma Yemiyo said, Shema Chasvashalem, Milsa the Loima Hagana Oma. Maybe he's saying something inappropriate. Maybe you know, he was so disappointed that he was trying to protect Eretz Yisrael. And the arrows hit him and he died. So maybe he's saying something that he has a sort of a taina against Davish and he's saying something inappropriate. So Agav Tsari, because of his pain. Gochim, so Yemiyo bent down, Vishami, and he heard Yeshio speaking, the Kamatzta Kaleh Dina, that he's Anafshay, that he's justifying the Abish's judgment upon himself. Omar, and he said, Tzadik hu Hashem, the Abish is righteous, ki pihu marisi, because his mouth, his words, I have uh, rebelled against. Pasach aleah so when Yemiyo heard that even while he's dying, he's being matzik, he's justifying this, so Yemiyo said about him, Ruach apenu Mashiach Hashem. He compared, he said that, that Yeshio is considered to be Mashiach Hashem, the savior of the Eden. So this is the story where we see this concept that sometimes even a cherev shal shalom, could be something that turns out very negative. And that's why if there's, if there's an army in your neighborhood, even not so close to you, you should cry out to the Abisha that it shouldn't affect you. 
Continuing, the Gemara said, So over there in the Mishnah it said that there was this hurricane that there was in one area where that hurricane, the Mishnah's Lashem was that how large was the hurricane? It knocked out the grains in the area of Kimuloi Tana, as large as, a, as an oven. Right? So, and, and therefore, they were Geizeratainus and even in a different place. So the Gemara now wants to know exactly what's the size of the opening of an oven. So the question was asked, Does this mean the opening of an oven, how much you can fill the oven with tvua, the entire oven, to fill the entire opening with tvua? Or maybe it means or it means the area that you can place the bread there. And now when they place the bread, how would they place the bread in the oven? They would stick it to the walls of the oven. So that's much less than the, the tvua. Tvua would mean to fill the entire oven with tvua. That's much, a much larger amount. Or it only refers to placing the bread in the oven, which is much less. So it's a question of how large of a hurricane does this have to be? How much grains were affected by this hurricane that you're going to have to fast? Now, if you remember what I just mentioned before, according to Wamshat and Rashi, the truth is, even a kol shuhu, you're going to have to fast. It doesn't matter what the amount is. So this question of the Gemara is not really in the Geil Halacha. It just wants to know the meaning of the Lashon of the Mishnah. But according to the other Pshat and Rashi that he said before, that you don't fast unless there's actually this amount. You have to scream out and daven today, even for a kol shuhu, for any amount. But in order to fast, there has to be specifically this amount of Meloi Taner. So how much is that Meloi Taner? That's the question of the Gemara here. So the Gemara brings a Braise, Toshimat says in the Braise, Kemeloi Pitaner. This Braise, according to the Gersa we have here in the Gemara, adds one word. It says the word Pitaner, the opening of the oven. Okay, so what does the opening of the oven mean? So Rashi explains that that means it doesn't refer to, the, to actually filling the oven with grain. Because if you're filling the oven with grain, so how do you have it held there by the opening of the oven? It can't hold in midair in the opening of the oven. So it refers to the bread. First, the bread that they stick to the wall at the opening of the oven. There's another gear that Toysus is greatest that it actually says in the uh, Lashon of this Braise here, pass, that Kimloid Pir Taner pass. So that's how we know that it refers to the bread that they stick to the uh, oven. Vadayin Tuboy, the question, they stick it around by the opening of the oven. Right. Yeah, Vadayin, Vadayin Tiboy the question still is, Kikisuya de Tanura. When we say that this refers to the bread at the oven, does this refer to the bread that's at the cover of the oven, meaning right at the opening of the oven? Or maybe there is the rows of bread, not only by the opening of the oven do they stick bread, but they stick rows of bread going all the way down to the bottom of the oven. These ovens in those times did not have their opening of the oven on the side like we have today, but the opening is on the top. So the question is, are we speaking just about the amount of bread that you stick at the opening of the oven or there's rows of bread that they stick all the way down to the bottom of the oven that's the amount of grains that have that uh, the area of this wind how large this wind has to be that's the question of the Gemara here regarding this wind that comes in one place that you have to fast how much of the area does it have to be that you would have to fast take the Gemara does not resolve these questions then it said in the mission, avoid They decreed to fast because in another area, and even if it was on the other side of the Yarden, there were wolves that came and ate up two children, and therefore in Eretz Yisrael they were fasting for this. The story was, So the incident what happened, or maybe it's a different incident, but the story once happened that there were two wolves that 
swallowed two children, and it came out from the rear of the animal, as is, and this incident came in front of the Chachamim, and now the question is, what's the status of these children that come out of the body of an animal in this way? And what the Chachamim said is, that the flesh of these babies, so they are tohoir, because once it goes through the body of the animal, it was digested by the animal, so therefore it's not considered anymore to be the flesh of a, of a dead body, because it was already digested. And, it, and now it came out from the animal. But the team was sad summer. However, the bones that were not digested, so that is considered to be the bones of a dead body of these babies, and therefore they would, would be tummy. Then we said in the Mishnah, regarding these situations, they would cry out and daven, even on a Shabbos. Usually we only fast or daven when on a weekday or on a Monday, Thursday and a Monday. But here regarding these, it's even on a Shabbos. So Tanar Rabbanan and Abraisi, we learned more about this. It says as follows. That if you have Irshay Kifur Nachrim, a city that Goyim encircled the city, or there's a river that's going that, that's overflowing, or you have a boat that's about to capsize in the sea, or you have a yid that's being chased by Goyim, or you from robbers, or you have a person that has an evil spirit that has overcome him, he has like a, some kind of a shed or something, evil spirit that has overcome him. Al Kulan, for all these situations, even a Yachid, even an individual, one person, he's allowed to go ahead and fast for these situations. In other words, even if the whole Tzibra is not going to be fasting, even one person himself could fast for this. Rabbi Yaisi says, An individual is not allowed to go and fast just himself, because because what he's doing is, he might then uh, be hungry and he won't have any food, so now he's going to have to rely on other people feeding him. And people are not going to have Rahmanas on him. So you're not allowed to put yourself into such a situation. What's the reason for Rabbi Yaisi that a person himself should not fast? Because it says, When David creates Adam Edition, he says, and he was a living being, what David is saying is, the Neshama that I've given you, make sure to give it life. You have to feed yourself, you have to eat. If it's not a time that everybody's fasting, don't take upon yourself any fasts. So too, when it comes to a place where there's a plague, so you fast even in a city where there is not, you don't have that plague, and you can fast even, or you can cry out today, even on a Shabbos. So now in the mission it said that this is Shimon Atimani's opinion, but the Chachamim disagreed with him. So the question is, when they disagreed with him, that you don't cry out for this, was this regarding a Shabbos? But if it's a weekday, they do agree to him that you cry out for this. Or they didn't agree to him at all. So as Mepharshim explained, this refers to a city where the plague is not actually in that city, but in other surrounding areas. The question is whether they agreed to him that on a weekday you should be fasting or crying out for this. So the Gemara brings up Raisa. It says, the Tanya and the Raisa we learned, Masriyin ala deva b'Shabbos. You have to cry out to the Ebishter for a plague on Shabbos. Needless to say, on a weekday you cry out for this. Rabchanan ben Pitum Talmidai Shah Rabakiva. Rabchanan ben Pitum, the student of Rabakiva, Mishum Rabakiva, in the name of Rabakiva said, You don't have to cry out for a plague that there is in a different area and not in your city. You don't have to cry out for this at all. Not only on Shabbos, not, but not even in other cities either. 
Then it said in the Mishnah, for any kind of trouble that people are experiencing, you have to daven, you have to daven and cry out for this. And there's one exception. When you have too much rain and people are bothered by the rain and it's difficult to travel, for that you don't daven. So why not? Any trouble that comes for the people, you daven for this. Besides, if there's too much rain, my time, you don't daven for an abundance of good that they should take it away. Too much rain is considered to be good. How do we know we don't dive in on this rain and there's an abundance of good? Bring the miser into the house of the treasure. And then it says there in the Pasik that the Ebesha will give you bracha ad beli dai. That's the conclusion of that Pasik. So my ad beli dai, what does the term ad beli dai mean? We had this before in the Gemara. Until your lips will become worn out from saying enough, enough, there will be so much bracha. However, in the exile, they would daven for too much rain. Why? Because when there's too much rain in the exile, when they're not on Eretz Yisrael, on a place which is in the mountains, higher up, they could swamp the fields. A year when you have too much rain, the people, the Kayanim, that are in the Mishmar, serving in the base of Mikdash, they would send a message to the Yidin, that are the Anshe Maimed, that would represent Klal Yisrael to be there by the Karbanis and say different Psukim and Davin. Think about your, your brothers that are Shabagayla, that are out in the Golos, that their houses should not turn into their burial places. If you have too much rain, so what happens? You could have these mudslides and you have all kinds of things that the people are buried there in their houses that are over, they're flooded with the rain. They asked Rabbi Yezer the question, At what point when it rains and the rain comes down so much, do they daven that it should stop raining? So he told them, that a person should be in this place called Keren Eifel. It's a high, uh, Rashi says it's a high rock. This is its name, Keren Eifel. And the rain reaches up to that place that he's able to stick his feet into the rain and uh, he could uh, put his feet into the rain, into the water. In a it says that he could reach into the rain with his hands. So the Gemara says it's the same thing. Just like a person could put his feet into the rain, he could bend down and put his hands into the rain as well. That's what he was saying. I saw this area of Karanoifel. It's really a very high place. There was this merchant, this Arab merchant, he was riding on a camel, and he was also holding an arrow in his hand, and he seemed to me to be like as small as a worm. In other words, because I was so high up on this area of Keren Eiffel, and I looked at this Arab merchant, and he looked to be very, very small. So that's how high this place is. Okay, so therefore the point is that for rain, too much rain, usually you don't dive for too much rain, even if there's so much rain that it doesn't reach up to such a high place. Uh, yeah, but as we said before, in a place where it's going to be so muddy, you could have mudslides, you could have a situation where houses, people are being buried in their houses. Obviously, rain to that extent is not good and you have to dive for it.